You're listening to audio from Citizens Church, located in Plano, Texas. For more information about this ministry or to give to this ministry, please visit citizenschurch.com. Good morning. How are y'all? Good. Happy New Year. Okay. It's going to be like this. We're going to do this. It's, uh, it really is a joy to be with you. It really is. I, I, uh, I love this church. And uh, I love the leadership of this church. I love being with you. Um, so it, I feel honored, and I feel, um, I feel at home in, in some sense. For those of you who, who may not know me, which is, I'm going to guess, the vast majority of you, uh, my name's Josh Patterson. I serve as a, a pastor at another local church here in the area called The Village. And um, our church, the church that, that I come from, and your church uh, have a really sweet and special relationship. I don't know if you know that. But it's worth asking about, and uh, and and I think uh, I think you'd be encouraged to hear it. So um, that, that's why it's so meaningful for me to be here with y'all. Um, I <clears throat> this this how crazy was yesterday? I walked my dog outside in shorts and a t-shirt, uh, and then uh, it dropped fifty degrees, and uh, which I'm I'm delighted about for what I hope will kill mountain cedar. I hope that will end. Uh, for me, that would be good. Uh, but man, what a wild start to the year. And uh, here's what I know is true about 2022. Uh, it will be a year of ups and downs and surprises and twists and turns and some really great things and some really tough things, just like every single other year in human existence. Uh, and I know that the truest thing about this year is the Lord is faithful. He's got it. He is faithful. And so we get to enter into this particular year with that joy and with that confidence. And, um, and so we get to start and celebrate and kind of center our hearts and our minds in that wonderful reality. Uh, I grew up just down the road uh, in Plano, went to Plano Senior High, and so I felt like it was appropriate for me to tell you that when I was in high school, uh, I had a couple of fake IDs, all right? And... Um, for those of you who, who may not know what a fake ID is, the first time I ever preached this message, my kids were in the room, and uh, lunch after church was interesting as I did get to explain to them what dad meant by the fake ID. Um, my dad happened to be in the second service that I preached this, and so, of course, he knew about these, uh, these antics. And so, uh, a fake ID uh, is, is a piece of identification that uh, you present, if you have one, that this identification card is you, but it's not you, right? And, and typically, you use this fake ID to get into spaces and places that you otherwise couldn't be because you don't belong, uh, or to acquire things that you want to have that you're not yet age-appropriate to have. And that's, now some of you, uh, that's how I used my fake ID, okay? It was for nefarious gain. Some of you, maybe you had one and you used it to vote early or something uh, you thought was really neat. <laughs> Um, I don't have that story, uh, but here's the deal. Man, every time I use the ID, every time, I would have to show up with a sense of false confidence, right? I, I had to present myself in a way that it was like, no, 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 this is me. This is me right here on this card. This is, this is actually me. And then hope that that person on the other end wouldn't ask a question or two because I was always and only one or two Good questions away from being found out, right? And a couple of times I was. But then I, 
if I did kind of get access or get through or acquire whatever it was that I wanted, um, it wasn't like my heart settled in assurance and confidence. It was like once I got into that space, I walked around under the anxiety of like, am I going to be now found out, right? I know that I don't belong here. Is everybody else looking at me like, you don't belong here? And so it was this strange kind of reality that I would have to show up with a false confidence and then move about the room with a false assurance, but I never really was settled. And here's the thing that has kind of haunted me. The more that I think about wanting to be in those spaces and places or to acquire those things that I wanted to acquire, like what, what was it that was driving me? And I think it was some of those ancient questions. Some of those ancient questions like, do I belong? Do I matter? Uh, it, it, am I accepted? And the crazy thing is those questions, they don't just stop haunting high school students once you graduate. Those questions kind of stick with us and stay with us in ways that we have to keep answering them again as we're confronted with them over and over and over again. And maybe that's not your story, um, but it certainly is mine. And I would say this, that um, the longer I've been in pastoral ministry and the older I get, the more confident I am in saying that most of us carry fake IDs around all the time. Like in our back pockets right now, we have this persona that we pull out and show. It, it, we, we show up as, as polished and put together and successful on a resume and, and all of these types of things that we show a certain way. And behind that fake ID, behind that persona, projection, idealized image is a real person that we're actually scared, nervous, anxious to come forward with. Because... What if I actually show up true? What if I actually show up authentic, genuine, honest? Then what? Like, what if I'm turned away at the door then? See, it's one thing to be rejected with the ID. It's another thing for the true you to be rejected or the true me to be rejected. And so we just keep up the pretense. We just keep up the image. And for some of us, we have lived out of a persona so long that we've actually become enmeshed with it that we don't know where we start and the persona ends. That can be the sad reality for some of us. And so what I want to talk about out of this passage this morning is the invitation to show up true. The invitation to show up authentic. And there's reasons why you and I can actually do that. And so Jill did a great job in reading the passage out of Hebrews chapter 10. I want to highlight just a couple of things for you to look for as I read it again. The author is going to use the word since, S-I-N-C-E, twice. I want you to note what he's saying after the word since. And then he's going to follow up those two since words with three exhortations where he's going to say, let us, let us, let us. So listen for it as I read. Excuse me, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. 
Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up towards love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I pray for us. Father, we come before you and we do ask that your word, um, by means of your spirit, would do a good work in our hearts. We thank you for the truths that your word contains. We thank you that through your word we get to learn about you, who you are, how you love us, how you care for us, and how you have demonstrated your love for us in Christ. I pray for this church, Citizens Church. I pray your blessing upon them in our gathering this morning. I ask all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Here's the first great good news coming out of this passage. The first sense is this. Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. The good news is this, that you and I don't have to show up with the fake ID. Why? Because Jesus has made a way and given you an all-access pass. He has made a way for you. You don't have to show up as a projection, a persona, this idealized self. The actual you can come. The actual you is the one that Jesus actually died for. So the put together, the presentation, the fake, the false, that's not who Jesus died for. Jesus died for the busted, for the broken, for the banged up, for the hurting, for the struggling, for the suffering, for the sinner. That's who he laid his life down for. Namely, you and me. And so the good news that we enter into this morning is this, that you and I have access into the room. Why? Not because you're put together. Not because of the ID that you're showing, but because of Jesus's identification. Because of who he is, what he has achieved, what he has accomplished. The good news is this, you have been granted access to enter the room. And he's saying this to you, church, you belong. You belong not because of your accomplishments, not because of your good deeds or because of your works. You belong because I have made a way for you to come in. Now come in. And what the author is saying here is you have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. Jesus has made a way for you to belong, for you to be accepted. For when you walk in, he says this, walk in with confidence because of what I've done for you. I've granted you an all-access pass. Enter in. Step into the space. You matter and you belong. But then he goes on with the second sense. The first sense is you have access. You belong. You matter. The second sense is that you and I, because we have this great high priest, this great priest over the house of God, What the author is talking about here, as he describes Jesus as the great priest, is he's talking about Jesus' ministry on your behalf. Jesus is doing something for you. He has done something on your behalf in his death and his resurrection. But he is presently, check this, and actively 
doing something for you. In his high priestly ministry, he is advocating for you. He is interceding for you. He is ministering to you and for you now. That's the ministry of this great high priest for you. So it's not just that you get to walk into the room and that you know that you belong. It's that when you're in the room, he says, I see you and I've got you. I am actively and presently ministering to you as you're present in this room. So yes, you belong. That's great news. Two, you matter and I'm caring for you while you're in here. I find that to be great news. I find that to be deeply encouraging. And it just kind of invites you as as it invites me to exhale and to lay down the pretense and the presentation and the falsehood and the faking and the pretending because I can enter in with confidence knowing that the creator of the universe, the one who died for me, is also actively lifting me up through his ministry. So what the author is saying, because these two things are true, because you have been given access through the blood of Christ, and because you have a great priest who is actively caring for you and ministering to you, because these two things are true, three exhortations. Let us do these three things in light of those two precious truths. And the first exhortation is this, verse 22. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let us draw near. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. What the author is saying is this. You have been granted access. Now what are you going to do with your access? Like you've got an open seat at the table. Pull up a chair is what he's saying. Let us draw near. You have the privilege of nearness. So take advantage of the privilege. You have an all access pass. So draw near to the creator God who redeemed you and set you free. Get to know him. Spend time with him. Understand his character and his nature. The one who would do this on your behalf is saying, come in. Be filled up. Be cared for. He knows. He knows it's challenging. He knows the struggles, the hurts, the the hang-ups, the habits, the frustrations, the sufferings. He knows That's part of his ministry as an empathetic high priest. Go read the first parts of this book, Hebrews. And he's saying, because I know, come in. Let me care for you. Like, why would you and I want to waste this access? Why why would we not want to draw near? Why would we not want to be filled up. And he says this, in our drawing near, we get to do it with a true heart. With a true heart and full assurance of faith. And I love the second half of verse 22. With hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. You remember what it was like to, to be dirty? You remember what it was like to have your eyes blind and not be able to see and a heart that was darkened? Do you remember this? 
Do you remember what it was like to be far from him, to be an enemy of God rather than a son or a daughter? Do you remember what it was like to be lost before you were found? Hello. I can't hear you. Do you remember? And what he is saying here is that is no longer true about you. No matter what last night looked like or New Year's Eve looked like or last week, last month, last year looked like. He is saying the truest thing about you if you are in Christ, the truest thing about you is that you're washed and you're cleansed and you're a son or daughter of the king. That's the truest thing about you. Well, that's great news. That's great news for you and for me. And he's saying that you and I get to walk in full assurance of this reality. And as we draw near, we don't have to grovel. We don't have to kind of, kind of uh, come in all puny. We walk in humble confidence, knowing I've been washed. I've been cleansed. I've been made new. I've been set free. I've been redeemed. The scales have fallen off, brought from death to life. This is now true about me. This is the label over my life. Not my shortcomings, not my hangups, not my struggles or my suffering. The truest thing about me, not that I disregard those, but that I have a different kind of access because I've now been grafted into a family that I was not a part of at one point. And so I get to draw near towards him. So the author is saying, let's do that. Let's draw near. Let's move towards him. Let's consider the opportunity as we enter into 2022 that you and I have been invited to him. To dine at the table, so to speak. To be with him. And then he goes on with a second exhortation. He says this, let us hold fast. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. The call here or the charge here is this. Hold on. Like hang tight. Persevere. Keep going. Don't let go. Remain. Stay faithful. Trust him. One foot in front of the other, knowing there are days and seasons where it feels like I'm moving backwards. And he's saying, just hang on. Just persevere. Hang tight. And the hanging tight and the holding on is not this false bravado or this false confidence. What are we holding on to? Our good works, our good deeds, our ability, our dependence. No, 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 no. He says right here in the text, hold fast to the confession of our hope. Why? Because he who promised is faithful. What am I holding on to? Well, I'm holding on to the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What am I holding on to? I'm holding on to his good nature, his character, his ability. And he's saying, just remain. Let us hold fast. And have we not been in a season, and I don't even know how long it is anymore. It's been challenging. It's been difficult. It's been confusing. It's been exhausting. It's been perplexing. It's been frustrating. It's been polarizing. 
And Jesus is saying to his church through his word, hold fast to the hope of your confession because I am faithful. I'm faithful. You remain in me. I am faithful. It is a call for you and for me and us as a church to persevere. So in our drawing near, we have the opportunity to be ministered to and by the Lord. That fuels our holding fast. That reminds our heart. It quickens us to remain. And then he says this, let us consider. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The idea of let us consider, it's the idea of agitation. It carries both a positive and a negative sense in the scriptures. The negative sense is, think of like a splinter, where it's in your hands, in your finger, or wherever it might be, and it just nags and won't go away. And it stays with you until you get the splinter out. It agitates you. Well, the positive sense is that same idea, but just positive. Let us consider is this idea, how might we apply a steady pressure? A helpful agitation that stirs one another up towards love and good deeds. It's a press, but it's a constant press. It's a continual press. It's not overbearing, it's not crushing, but it's just that reminder, hey, let's go, let's go. He who promised is faithful, let's go. And what are we going towards? He says what we're going towards here is love and good deeds, right? Again, not a falseness, not a projection, not some type of persona that's flimsy and shadowy. But the call is for you and for me to look up and to look around and to see how we might stir one another up, agitate one another towards love and towards good deeds. And that we would do this with increased urgency and increased frequency. Why? Because the day is drawing near. That's what he says in verse 25. So think of it like this. We've been given this all-access pass. We've been invited into the room. That's grace. We get into the room because of Christ, and we realize, oh, he cares for me. He didn't just do something so that I could get in the room. He's actively and presently caring for me while I'm in the room. And his ministry to me is not just for me alone, although that's great, because it absolutely is for you. Like it's personal and specific to you. But he says this in this text, lift up your eyes because it's not for you alone. It's for you so that you might consider one another. That you might consider, well, who else is in the room? How might I encourage them? Spur them on, stir them up towards love and good deeds. You think about encouragement. Raise your hand if you have been encouraged too much. 
I'll wait. All right. And we all need it, don't we? It's tough. It's challenging. Think about the lies that just repeat in your head, those false scripts and narratives and tapes that just play and haunt you. I don't care who you are. They show up from time to time. And, and maybe they don't show up as much as they used to, but the phone still rings, right? Like, Do you not need to be encouraged to be reminded what Christ has done for you? But also the encouragement and the reminder here is that you would show up as true. That you would not have to kind of present this fake ID anymore, but that you get to show up as you. Because Jesus died for that guy or that gal. And that's the one who gets to show up. So part of the encouragement is this. Hey, lay down the pretense. The real, true, genuine you shows up. Why? Because that's who Jesus died for and that's who we need. And you have been gifted. You specifically, you have gifts, you have talents, you have treasures, you have passion, you have a heart, and that has to come forward. It's got to emerge. So part of our encouragement is this. As we look around, as we see that in one another and speak it, we see it and we speak it. To call forward what's good and right in a brother or a sister. So as I look around this room, there's some of you that I know, there's some of you that I don't know. I sent a text to Michael Snetzer yesterday, thanking him for his ministry, thanking him for his faithfulness, thanking him for what God has done in his life, and from his story, and from your redemption, you have brought about healing in the lives of others. Bless you. Bless you. Stay faithful in it. It matters. Ina Caruth, I see you right there. Ina, you are gifted as a communicator. You teach in a way that takes the truths and brings them down clear. And you're generous. God has given you a generous heart. So what we want to do is see people, speak to them, like call out life in them. I wish I had more time with you, Joe Widner, but I know you'd be faithful, gracious. I know you'd be whip smart, yet humble. I could go on and on and on about Michael Bleeker, who's back over there. But as a church, and maybe I should, <clears throat> I said some nice things to him in the last service. My point is this. You should say some things. You, you should be a people. And I'm not just putting that should on you. I should be that kind of guy. Why? Because of what Christ has done. Since this and since that, let us draw near. Let us hold fast and let us stir one another up. Because we need it. We need to be encouraged, not, not just with the, hey, that's a great looking shirt, or I love that haircut on you, it looks great. That matters, and that's meaningful, right? But how much more of that encouragement that takes it a couple layers and levels deeper, that sees you and almost at times kind of leaves you feeling a bit vulnerable, 
both as you give it and as you receive it. The, the call, the faith, the life that Jesus has invited us into, it's not easy. And we have an enemy who is present and the challenges of a broken world. Gosh, can we look up and just see one another? Say some things? Lift up, build up? Take that step towards somebody where we're, we're actually giving them courage? Kevin, stay faithful. Like, stay after it. Keep going. Hold fast. He's worth it. You think about what he has done in your life. Stay faithful. My hope is that Citizens Church, and this would be the reputation of this people. That it's not for show, it's not for pomp or circumstance, but it's genuine and it's meaningful. And it actually aids in a brother or sister's perseverance. That part of you and I holding fast to the confession of our hope, what helps aid that is Jesus' promises and his people. And how do his people aid in the perseverance of one, one another? We encourage each other. We show up and we say things to each other because it matters. And that's my hope for you as a church. That's my hope for you as you enter into 2022, that you would take those courageous steps and that the reputation of this church would be love and good deeds and tons and tons of encouragement. We've got a shot to take those fake IDs and lay them down. And the reason that we have a shot for that is not because the world is inviting us to do that. That's not what they're inviting us to do. We've got a shot to do that because of what Jesus has done. It is finished, accomplished, complete. We got a shot. And then his present and his active ministry to you and on your behalf, that's why we have a shot. So because of who he is, what he, done, what he has done, and what he is doing, we can step forward in what is genuine, true, authentic, and right. And then we could be a people. We could be a people who draw near, hold fast, and stir one another up towards love and good deeds. Let's pray towards that end. Father, we love you. I thank you for the men and women in here. Again, just as I look around and just pray a blessing over the Hardcastle family as I see them there, their faithfulness and how they have invested in this church, the Rodriguez family, the Carruth family. And there's so many in here that I, I could name. I see Caleb. I pray a blessing over Caleb back there, Lord. Would you lift him up and bear him up? May we be a people who look up, realizing, God, you have enabled us to do this. You have enabled us to see outside of ourselves. Why? Because we have hope. Because you have made a way. You've given us an all-access pass. We, we don't have to prove anything. We're not seeking gain. We're, we don't have to be worried about loss. You have given us all things in Christ. 
We have nothing to prove because, Jesus, you have accomplished it. And we have nothing to lose because what can come against those who are in Christ? What great news is that? So for this congregation, Lord, bear them up. I pray you'd give them courage and strength to take a step towards one another, that they would encourage each other. And maybe that encouragement would start in their family. Maybe it starts on the way home. Maybe it starts before they ever even leave the sanctuary. But I pray it doesn't stop. I pray it's a pretty continuous thing. Your word seems to say that this is the mark of a believer. And we do it all the more as we see the day approaching. So may we be found faithful. We pray and we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.